So we are, um, we're now in the season of Advent, and uh, Advent is uh, traditionally the time where uh, we expect the coming of the King, and ultimately that leads to Christmas, uh, the birth of the King. Uh, but Advent is not a word that uh, Christians invented. It was actually used uh, before Jesus. Uh, interestingly enough, it was used to describe uh, the coming of the great king, savior of the world, the bringer of peace, Caesar Augustus. Uh, I think the, uh, the writers uh, about Jesus' life in the New Testament like to point that out because it means that Jesus, the real king, the real savior of the world, was born under the reign of somebody who thought he was. We'll come back to that in a little bit. Uh, traditionally, this time of year, uh, we look at then what it means to uh, expect the coming of the king. Only, not necessarily uh, just for the birth of Jesus, which would be Christmas, uh, but for his return. We like to ask the questions, you know, what, what does that mean? What does it look like? Uh, which is why we have the reading that, that we do. Uh, it's Mark chapter 11, which normally we'd read in the, the time leading up to Easter. Uh, but it also works here. Uh, Jesus is uh, riding into Jerusalem. He knows that he is now kicked off the final week of his life, that this is not going to end well for him. And his disciples, or he instructs his disciples to go and get a cult. And there's, uh, there's a lot of like royal imagery just in that. But you don't even need to know that because his uh, followers and others start cutting down like leaves, palm leaves, and they start waving them and they throw their cloaks down on the ground. That's, that's, a, that's really, that's a big statement. And then they start saying, Hosanna, Hebrew, Hoshiana, like, save us now is what it means. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the kingdom of our father David, all royal, royal uh, kingly images, uh, word images. And it was very clear that uh, everyone who was, who was basically celebrating around Jesus as he was walking into, or writing, excuse me, into Jerusalem made it very clear that they expected Jesus to be the king. Um, now, they were right, but their expectations were basically entirely wrong. Um, they had been under the boot of uh, the Roman Empire for quite some time, several generations at this point. Um, the religious leaders, religious elite were were fairly scummy, to, to put it mildly. And the expectations, generally speaking, for the coming one, the king, was that he would come and bring justice, and he would kill the bad guys and kick them out. And he would redraw the political lines like the days of old, the great King David. And Jesus does none of these things. In fact, everybody as they're celebrating, as they're anticipating, are they're actually putting their expectations onto Jesus. They're kind of projecting them. And there's a lot of hope and a lot of excitement, but they're basically all wrong. We're also going to come back to that in a minute. 
Because there's something about that, that expectation, that anticipation, that um, I think says a lot to the season, uh, the holiday season, uh, the Christmas season through Advent as we, we talk and meditate and, and look forward to and anticipate the birth of Jesus. Um, because realistically, we have our own expectations about what the season means and what it's going to look like. And I've been sitting with that for, for a little while. Because there's something unique about the holiday season. Um, there's, there's a lot of nostalgia surrounding it. There's a lot of memories. And I don't want to make too fine a point of it on it, but... I'm going to, um, these memories, this nostalgia probably takes you back to some of your most formative years. Maybe not always, but your, your best memories of Christmas are probably when you were young. Or if Christmas is not maybe the warm, fuzzy time of year for you, it's very possibly, again, because those formative years were hard. Or maybe they were just hard around Christmas. And it's, it's something about the human nature. It's very, very difficult to shake that. And what I've, what I've been kind of sitting with for a while and just meditating on is just how those expectations can be projected onto Christmas. Um, there's a really funny, really great Christmas movie called Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. I uh, Officially, I'm not endorsing it, but it's a good movie. <laughs> if, you, if you know the movie, you know why. Um, and and it's, uh, it's really all about expectation. The main character, Clark Griswold, he wants to have a good old-fashioned family Christmas like they used to. But over the course of the movie, what, what he learns and really the tension of the movie and why it's funny, but it's also kind of a deep movie, is that those expectations erode over time. Things fall apart. And when he kind of comes to the end, he realizes that those, those expectations or, or, or those memories, they weren't even real. He saw them through, shall we say, rose-colored glasses. There's a pretty serious depth in that movie, as funny as it is. And, and I think like, when we talk about this, this time, this, the, the time of Advent leading up to the birth of Jesus, I think we have to deal with that. I mean, I know, like, I, I feel very fortunate. My, my memories of, of the holidays and Christmas growing up are, I think, all positive. I, I don't know. Tonight I'll probably go, ah, oh, that was a nightmare. Wait, but I can't think of anything that was terrible. Um, maybe the hardest was that sometimes we were, because we moved around a lot, we were in different places, so we were maybe a little more isolated or insular than, than we normally would have been. But... Um, I mean, for me, my expectations of Christmas is that they'll be like that. Kind of fun, lighthearted. We'll just enjoy each other's company. 
But I would ask you, like, and don't answer, what are your expectations? What are you anticipating for this holiday season? Are you anticipating something hard? Do you have expectations that, that things will go a certain way? And then I would ask, have you had those expectations before and how did that turn out? Because as it turns out, um, we are all going to bring these expectations to the Christmas table, to the dinner table, and a lot of times we're just sort of projecting what we want, hoping that reality matches it. In the same way, uh, the people as they're welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem, celebrating this king, they are 100% right. That is who he is. And yet, at the same time, it's not going to look like how they're expecting. And in fact, that all falls apart within a, a few days, maybe five, six days. And in that sense, when, when, when Jesus is executed, um, and then like a couple days later, a couple of his, his, people who were on the inside, his disciples were just sort of depressed and wandering back to uh, a village um, outside of Jerusalem. Like you could tell that ultimately Jesus let them down. Turns out he wasn't who they thought he was. To which I, I would say like at a time when when emotions are high, things can be kind of sentimental. Uh, sometimes our expectations and anticipations of such a special season out of the year are not based in reality. Like, what's going to happen when things fall apart? Or if you want to take it even bigger, um, what happens when God lets you down? And by that I mean things don't turn out how you had hoped, how you expected. Um, you're still lonely, or you're still sick, or you're still broke, you're still hungry, you're still unemployed, you're still broken, you're still traumatized. You still don't know what's coming next. Do you ever feel like God kind of let you down in those moments? It's very very normal experience. I think one of the things that we can uh, take away from uh, the, the crowd's experience with Jesus is they're celebrating this king only to, for things to fall apart pretty fast. Is that when, when I place my expectations on God, um, to put it mildly, I, I tread on dangerous ground. It's not dangerous for God because what difference does it make? But it's always going to be dangerous for me. Um, there's a, because I'm, I guess I'm using all of my illustrations from like 80s and 90s television and movie. Um, if you're familiar with the old, I guess it's still running. I haven't seen any of the new episodes. Um, the old Simpsons, uh, the Simpsons cartoon. Uh, the first time Homer Simpson, uh, was kind of like the bumbling dad, prays. He says, I don't know if you're real, 
and I don't know if what they say about you is true, but if you can hear me, Superman, you know, and then he asked for help. Um, like with many things, that's funny, um, but there's some real depth there. Because how often do we just put our hopes and expectations on God without bothering to ask? So we enter into the season of Advent. Um, what expectations? What, I mean, what does it look like for Jesus to return for you? Because the New Testament doesn't actually give us a ton about what that's like. And what they do give us, uh, uh, the writers of the New Testament do give us, it, it's hard to say like what's metaphor and what's not. Uh, and so on the one hand, yeah, Jesus will finish what he started when he was raised from the dead. Um, we look to the resurrection and the renewal of, of all things. But what are we celebrating now? Um, and I think that's important. Like, as, as a pastor and just as a human being, the holiday season can be really hard for people. And I want you to know that if you find that it's really hard, in spite of the fact that, that you have this hope and anticipation that it will be really good, um, it's okay when it's hard. In fact, it, it can be very normal. So, back to that word Advent at the very beginning. Um, Caesar Augustus, the, the narcissist extraordinaire, actually just a brilliant politician, um, had some writers like basically rethink all of human history in such a way that it was all anticipating his emergence. We actually have writing, we have inscriptions that just flat out state this. Uh, because he saw himself as this all-powerful ruler of the Roman Empire and therefore the world. He was this great conqueror, um, a military leader. I, sorry, he wasn't a conqueror, he was a military leader. And he was the great bringer of peace. He was the great king. He was... Well, he thought he was a lot of things. And then under his rule and reign in a backwards part of the country, this kid is born, who is given the name Jesus. And as it turns out, all of creation was waiting for that moment of revelation, but it wasn't Caesar Augustus. It was of this baby. And turns out this baby is all of divinity, the all-creator of the universe, who was now born of a woman, who was going to grow up to walk around in sandals, will have eyes, ears, and a nose. Like he'll, he takes on the human experience, takes on mortality. Um, and takes on the desperate hope and expectations of the people that he grows to know and love. He'll eventually know what it means to be betrayed. He'll know what it means to be sick, to be hungry. And he'll take all of the expectations that people have for who God is and what God is going to do, and he's going to almost entirely disappoint them. 
when he goes to his own death. Nobody really saw that coming. But what happens after that, we're still making sense of today. Like God raised him from the dead. He saw his disciples. He spent time with his disciples after that. And as it turns out, that's just the beginning. And so when he, and, and it turns out that, that, that if people's expectations were, were freedom and justice and liberation and, and really just more of the nostalgia, like we want to be like, the, like the, the ancient days, the days of old when great King David ruled over our people or something like that, what Jesus does take is, is he takes those expectations, he throws them away and he gives us something much better because Jesus knows that what the real problem is, it's not politics, it's, it's our hearts. It's, it's our own tendency to sin and destroy ourselves and each other. And when he takes that on into his death and gives us a new heart and a new reality, it doesn't really matter what our expectations were because what Jesus offers is so much better. Like our sin and shame, the, the mistakes that we make and the things that drive us crazy at night, uh, that's, all, that's all forgiven. It, it, in God's eyes, it doesn't matter. Um, when I feel my own humanity in the worst possible ways, I know that God has given me a new heart and he's given you a new heart too. And that there will come a time that we still anticipate when Jesus returns and finishes that moment. He finishes what he started and he brings the renewal of all things to its climax and culmination. And so as we enter into the season of Advent, this is just the beginning. Uh, Jesus, we, we will celebrate in 20 some odd days his birth, which is just the beginning, just the, the, the first tastes of, of the, the much larger story that Jesus is telling. That, that pulls us all through our expectations and all the ways our expectations have been disappointed. Um, it, it takes whatever we bring to the Christmas table, uh, whether that is good or hard or painful or unrealistic, and Jesus pulls all of that into himself to give us something new. Renewed hearts, a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance, fifth chance. I could go on for quite some time. Um, and also real hope. Hope not based on my own sort of ideas and nostalgia of how things should go. But hope that has a basis in, in history and in reality. The hope that God has given us by sending Jesus. Amen.